0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: And, uh, and, and, and you, you guys, you, you, act, you act like you're with me, but were you the whole time?
0: You see, because, because there, was no, there was no hashtag, give Becky a chance. And, and when Charlotte Flair weaseled her
1: way into my title match, yeah, yeah, I got a few tweets saying that Becky Lynch was getting screwed over, but there was no boycott. You still sold out SummerSlam, didn't you? Somehow, I have been made
0: an afterthought. And, y- and you think, you think that after a few nights of praise, that that's all going to change. Well, no, I don't I don't buy it anymore.
1: Because you're a generation of all talk, all opinions, and no action.
0: As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John away. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. want to Smackdown.
1: want to Smackdown. want to Smackdown. We are back. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting, and welcome to a special edition of Rewind to Smackdown. How
0: are you, Wei? Uh, I hear one of the best editions of Rewind to Smackdown of all time. You know why? Why? Because we're calling it that.
1: Sure. A special edition of Smackdown Live is what we got to sit back and watch for two hours. How are you, Wei? Oh, good. Doing okay. How are you? Uh, I'm swell. I understand you're going through some, uh, a, m- a major transition in your life.
0: Yeah. As many people know, my, uh, 111 year old computer just kind of kicked the curb. So I'm in the process of awaiting a new computer to arrive and thus, uh, I will be, uh, kind of handicapped for the next week. So John going to have to rely on you to take care of, uh, uh a number of the back end technical things.
1: Have you jumped over to the PC
0: world? Oh no, oh uh, no. I have not. No. <laughs> no, you're you're remaining loyal to the Apple brand. I kind of I mean I'm kind of stuck, to be honest, so much of my uh infrastructure is already uh within that ecosystem and I just I'm I'm kind of lost when it comes to a lot of PCs, so yeah. It's it's a totally
1: different world. I'm surprised you and I get along. Yeah, I know. We're on we're uh we're just on other sides of the tracks when it comes to our technology. Well, uh, coming up tonight, lots to discuss with the fourth night at the Barclays Center. It's a long time to run one venue, four nights in a row. It feels like TakeOver was two weeks ago.
0: It is, yeah. I feel like when the uh, Fox deal comes about, I think uh, it, it'll it improve weekends like this because starting off with a television show in SmackDown, arguably mm-hmm. the least, uh, I think, hyped uh, show of the weekend uh, is a much better way to start it. You follow that up with a takeover and then SummerSlam and then sort of like the postmortem with Raw. Uh, I feel like that would be a better structure. Let's discuss that. It's it's not going to affect this
1: WrestleMania, but it will the next. And who knows what WrestleMania weekend will look like by then. A, a live SmackDown WrestleMania weekend on the Friday. Is that going to entice you? Um, and And B, where would you see the Hall of Fame ending up? that weekend when i i agree with you i think doing a live show friday i think they're gonna have to do that unless they just did some kind of really bare bones promo
0: heavy smackdown
1: which i don't see them doing on their network show
0: Mm -hmm. they could always do the hall of fame i suppose on thursday uh i don't see people sticking around throughout the weekend to stay for the hall of fame on a tuesday no do i see value in in booking a venue just for that i i almost feel like mm, at this point you know they, they they i think the hall of fame is, it always seems to be a decent draw you kind of have to do it in the evening with all the red carpets and all that my guess would be that they would put put it on a thursday would you do you think it could have enough interest that they could
1: really ramp up the hall of fame and that's in the smackdown time slot on friday nights
0: or do you think that that's hmm. just not going to be that interesting to people for 2 hours that's an interesting thought uh but i feel like a Friday live program leading into the weekend is such valuable real estate, especially considering Fox.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. Like it's a lot of work for them to have to do another like two hour live show on the Friday night, but you're right. You're on Fox. That is your big hard sell going into the weekend for everything that it's, it's very valuable real estate. Not that you can't promote during the hall of fame. I just, you know, they've put it on the USA network before It does. Fine numbers, but nothing in the ballpark of what your original Raw and SmackDown programming is going to do. It's going to be like the uh, Hunter was talking about this on the press conference, uh, the conference call last weekend that uh, we did not receive an invite for um, about just how logistically so much is going to have to change Mm -hmm. when they're doing these Friday nights as opposed to Tuesday nights. And it's going to change so much around from their their house show structure to Something like WrestleMania weekend and this the the big four weekends they do now where they commit to four nights in that city that I do think that it that does work a bit better doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday than dragging it to this Tuesday, which feels as though, you know, the party's over and we're still here.
0: Or I I mean, TakeOver could possibly move. I mean, are they really do they have to do a, a Saturday show for TakeOver?
1: No, no, they don't have to do that. I you know what? To change my idea around, if you if you were not going to do a traditional smackdown in that Fox slot, putting a takeover on Fox would be
0: something I would experiment with. It's an interesting experiment, but I mean, Fox didn't pay all that money for takeover as much as I think you and I would probably enjoy watching that instead.
1: It it would be though if if it's one week and it also opens the door for potential FS1 programming that comes out of it. That here is our introduction of NXT, and if it can show an audience for a big show that they promote for weeks and weeks, I think they. I think that if you really push that hard, you could at least come maintain a good portion. Of the SmackDown audience, I would say. It's it's hard to know what SmackDown is going to be doing week to week on Friday nights. But th- there's a lot of interesting stuff they can do that's on the table for, you know, a year and a half from now come 2020 for that WrestleMania weekend. Who knows? Maybe they'll just run the whole week. They'll do a whole SummerSlam week. And yeah. we'll be doing shows every single night. Maybe that's going to be the answer. It's just the live stream throughout the entire thing. I- I'm sure we're not far from that. Well, let us get into uh, what is coming up tonight. We are going to have the double shot for members of the post-wrestling cafe that you can sign up for, patreon.com slash post-wrestling.
0: What do we have coming up tonight, Way? Tonight we have an edition of the double shot, where John Pollock will be talking about Joey Janela's lost in New York. This is... Would you consider this his big follow-up to uh, Spring Break?
1: Yeah, it was, you know, their... Yeah, I would say the big follow-up, which... uh, Spring Break was you know, a really, really fun show, WrestleMania weekend, and they have really carved out a niche now for these big weekends of being the alternate brand that I think has that big party atmosphere. I think you could say this past year, way that it used to be kind of the night after WrestleMania that Raw was the big kind of party crowd. I think that Game Changer Wrestling and Spring Break has kind of replaced that, for me at least, going to it this year. Like, that was the big, like... Fun show that you just want to be in the crowd for.
0: Absolutely, that was kind of the vibe that I had going into the weekend. Just it felt like all the hardcore had kind of moved on from you know that post WrestleMania Raw to something that is even more niche, and that's this game changer wrestling Joey Janela show. That uh, in its second year, I think uh, certainly uh, left a big impression on me. So I look forward to hearing your review of uh, Lost in New York. Oh, and I'm looking forward to your reviews, and that's plural. Yes, that's right, because uh we have a big edition of Being the Elite to talk to, to talk about as uh, all in is uh taking place really just uh a, a week from this uh Saturday. Yes. A week from this Saturday. So yeah, they're really ramping up the uh the, the push for some of those key matches as well. Just dropped today also on the Being the Elite channel. SCU prepares for all in. A brand new video, two editions of being the elite, kind of uh all, all all in one uh, edition of uh, the double shot that we'll be talking about damn they they're
1: just pumping out content these uh the being the elite folks mm-hmm. all right well let's get into some of the news items from today that are up at postwrestling.com the biggest being the passing of viano 3 uh a Major, major name in Lucha Libre history. Uh, he was the son of Ray Mendoza, who is uh, one of the biggest Lucha Libre stars in history, who passed away in 2003. Uh, he had five sons that went into professional wrestling. They went under uh, the Viano names one through five, and most would consider Viano three uh, the most well-known and most talented, although all five brothers uh, had a lot of success in pro wrestling. So... Uh, the news came out today he had passed away at the age of 66, uh, someone that was synonymous with the uh, the UWA promotion, which at one time was one of the biggest wrestling companies in the world, which was actually founded uh, by—his father was one of them. They were unhappy with a lot of the, uh, the political environment at EMLL and— uh, Ray Mendoza, uh, a group of them, they all left and they formed the UWA, which at a time was, uh, you know, the biggest drawing promotion in the world, uh, doing like 10,000 people on, uh, pretty much a weekly basis. And this is where, uh, Viano Three, he had only debuted in 1970. So by 1975, that's when the UWA launched and he competed in their welterweight division. He was also always, uh, tied in with the, the junior heavyweight title, uh, This was when the UWA and the WWF, they had this working relationship together, so the UWA was able to promote the WWF junior heavyweight title, and it was never defended in the WWF, but it was in the UWA, and Viano III won that title numerous times, uh, feuding with uh, many big junior heavyweights at the time, including uh, Perro Aguayo, Chris Benoit, and... That was where he was for about 25 years with the UWA. And then after that company went out of business in the mid-90s, he would go over to AAA. Uh, He eventually made his way back to CMLL, which was the site of probably his most famous match and one of the most famous matches in Lucha Libre history. And we posted it up on the site in his... uh, in the story I have on him against Atlantis from March of 2000. This was the only time that a Lucha Libre match was voted match of the year by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. It's an unbelievable match, and that was when Atlantis won, uh, Biano was unmasked, and would continue his career afterwards. And sadly, his last match was just a couple of years ago in 2015 at Triple Mania when he was 63 years old, and this was just a few months Since he had had a stroke, it was a very sad match to watch because he could do almost nothing and had no business even doing a match. But that was his official retirement. So the guy debuted in 1970 and then had his last match at 63 in 2015. Uh, Two of his sons are presently wrestlers as well. So a huge, huge name in Lucha Libre history. And uh, if you want to check out some of his matches, uh, I posted them up there. Um. Yeah, I think most people, they will immediately be drawn to the 2000 matchway because that was just a, a really, really famous match. And unfortunately, there's so much of his older stuff that just uh, hasn't been preserved. They just didn't save a lot of the matches, and that's unfortunate. But that one, because of when it took place, it's readily available for people
0: to check out. Uh, Yeah, our condolences. Uh, it's sort of been a, a shitty month, I, I suppose. Yeah, there's just been so many uh passings uh
1: this summer it's it's really been uh, unfortunate a lot of like really really big and uh significant names uh one thing i forgot to bring up yesterday that i want to uh, get your thoughts on was over the weekend the wwe casually announced that alexa bliss will take on trish stratus at the evolution pay-per-view at the end of october mm-hmm. and this was like the strangest announcement because a graphic just was displayed inside the Barclays Center prior to takeover, and then it circulated everywhere. So after the show, the WWE announced it, and apparently that's how Alexa Bliss found out about this match was when it came online that she would be wrestling Trish Stratus. It was just a very strange way to announce this for, you know, Trish's match was obviously going to be one of the the major matches on the pay-per-view. Something tells me that that graphic wasn't supposed to show
0: up in the Barclays Center.
1: I haven't been told that, but that was certainly my inclination was that this was some kind of slip up and they just decided, well, we're just going to confirm it rather than try and hide what everybody has seen. It was just, it's just a very, um, yeah, just a very strange way to roll something out. Like no angle, no context. It's the night before SummerSlam. Yeah. Just everything about it just screamed, uh, mistake. This was not, this was not the, not the plan itself. Do you like the actual pairing? Like when you look at the potential matches, trish could have is Mm -hmm. one with alexa bliss of interest
0: i think it is uh simply to see what trish can do Uh, i think we saw glimpses of it in the in the rumble and she looked great in the rumble unfortunately i feel like that rumble ended up she ended up getting overshadowed by uh you know some some other people on that one but trish looked great nonetheless so i look forward to seeing her in a full match against i think a very capable performer in alexa bliss uh, you know, I saw some some maybe disappointment that you you weren't pairing Trish with with maybe one of the four horsewomen or Charlotte or maybe an Asuka, somebody who kind of is, is maybe a bit more well known for her in ring uh, ability than Alexa Bliss. Um, but I look forward to the promos. I look forward to the, the story that they, they tr- they're trying to craft. Um, I wonder how much Trish will be on TV leading up to, to Evolution, but I'm a fan of the match yeah, I would hope that she's gonna be
1: on television at least a few times because I think that's the strength is the two of them doing some promos together, something um, mm-hmm. because that's that's where Alexa Bliss really shines. and I, th- I think that they can work off each other very well in some segments together. Uh, Raw had their highest number since the superstar shakeup on Monday night and actually did a higher viewership than the MTV Video Music Awards and an NFL preseason game on ESPN. So that was noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Rowan, we'll get to that on this show, but suffered a torn biceps during the SummerSlam match on Sunday. So it looks like he is going to be out of action for uh, quite, quite some time. I mean, could have fooled me watching tonight's match. Wow. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that as well. It was uh, did a lot more than I expected. Uh, Triple Mania is going down this Saturday night, and they'll broadcast it on Twitch. Uh, the main event is going to be a mask, a four-way mask match with Pentagon Jr., El Hijo del Fantasma, L.A. Park, and Psycho Clown, where the last two men in the cage will uh, have a match, and the loser is unmasked. And maybe the most interesting uh, political note on this match is, or on this card is that AAA, who are partners with Impact Wrestling. Their AAA mega heavyweight champion is Jeff Jarrett, who will be on this card defending the title against uh, Impact performers Brian Cage, Rich Swan, and Phoenix, who is also working dates with Impact. So here you have this guy who is suing Anthem, wrestling their talent on a partner's show. It is a very bizarre situation. (laughs) Dude, Jeff Jarrett's entire career is just bizarre stories and situations.
0: Yeah, for sure. That was certainly the match that I think, uh, from a, a, a as a North American wrestling uh, or um, as is mainly a United States and, and uh, uh, WWE fan, I suppose that that really stuck out to me. Uh, I imagine he doesn't leave that match with the belt.
1: Yeah, and last thing here, uh, there was a clip that I saw from uh, the Busted Open Radio crew who had Rebby Hardy on, and she was talking about the status of her husband, Matt Hardy, and calling it a transitional period that he's currently going through and revealed that Matt's contract is up in March with the WWE and he's weighing a lot of options right now. And you could read between the lines that Reby seems to be looking at, you know, life after wrestling for Matt, but Matt has been doing this, this, like his entire adult life has been pro wrestling that that's, This is probably a big, big decision that he is being faced with now, whether he wants to try and continue wrestling and whether the WWE is maybe all that comfortable in this guy continuing to wrestle. Like It very much seems that should you decide to stop wrestling, you will have a role here, but wrestling um, might not be that role that we have envisioned for you.
0: I mean, knowing what, what we know, uh, if we, if Matt's tweets are to be believed about the condition of his body, of his vessel, uh, I don't know if I, I I would, you know, trust this man with another big run. And, I, you know, I'll say, I mean, we've been very critical of, of this tag team title run he's been having with uh, Bray. It, it really hasn't been all that great. Uh, the character, I think, has been disappointing and the matches have been disappointing. So at this point, I don't know if... I'm clamoring for another big Matt Hardy run. I want to see the character. I want to see more kind of final deletion types of things, which I think he can do without being a regular weekly performer. I think he's kind of beyond that uh, uh, peak of his career. And therefore, why not switch to a backstage role where he can occasionally do the character from time to time? I would love to...
1: I think he'd be a great asset as a producer, as someone even... um, In like a creative role, like Jimmy Jacobs was as a guy that is going to have all the respect of the locker room because he is a wrestler and someone that like when it was being discussed, the idea of him possibly having a creative role and impact. I think that, you know, this is a guy with a a great mind for this industry that
0: I think that's a position that I'd be very curious to see how well he would do in that environment. And jobs like that, I imagine for most wrestlers aren't that easy to come by, you know, an agenting gig. For a, a performer who uh, loves the business and wants to work for the WWE, and, and 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 probably makes, I would assume, okay money doing so without having to take bumps. I mean that that to me sounds like a pretty good gig that I don't imagine Matt would turn down.
1: Yeah, I guess you know the other the alternative is you know going back to the independent scene to a Ring of Honor. Yeah, I, I wouldn't me- that style. Um, yeah. No, but he's got ownership of the character now, and you don't have to be going out there and wrestling four matches a week, as his WWE schedule is going to. He can pick his shots, he can work a much, much lighter style, just going on the independents, like what he was doing prior.
0: I and just, I don't know if he can...
1: I, I'm not saying that's the right idea, but yeah. it's, you know, there's there's going to be interest out there if, if he chooses to do that. Yes. All right, well, let's get into SmackDown. Of course, you can get all your news items up at postwrestling.com daily. Fourth night here at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and Tom Phillips welcomed us as we were coming off the most watched SummerSlam in history. The Miz and Maurice walked out to start the show, and we got a replay of Miz winning over Daniel Bryan after the brass knuckles were handed off to Maurice, as was later confirmed, Tom Phillips stated. And... Miz gets all serious and he's pretending to tear up. He says he's got a family to think about and it is with a heavy heart and the utmost sadness that he is announcing his retirement. And everyone cheers yes. They're like, good, get rid of him. And then he pauses and says, his retirement from ever-facing Daniel Bryan
0: again. This has become the go-to WWE promo for heels. Yeah, this the, the Swervey promo, I think... It feels like it might be used a little too often these days. They've been, you know, it's it's received, I think, a varying level of success, uh, namely with Alexa, who's been doing, who's kind of really made it her thing. Carmella, less so. Uh, but LeMiz doing it here, I felt it was pretty effective.
1: He says that the eight year saga with Brian has come to a conclusion. He did what he said he would do, Brian punched him 100 times. But that doesn't add add up to one Miz punch. And then the best part of this promo was him calling his. He's got the hardest punch in WWE, and I really hope he just pushes this. Like he's yeah. got he's got William Regal's power of the punch now. I think it's a great heel line for
0: him to use. I think the so hardest too. the hardest hitter after being called soft all these years. I think so too, and and I think Brian really did a great job of put like setting that whole thing up by. Uh, focusing that match on him punching Miz in the face, saying it in you know the, the video packages, saying it in video interviews he's been doing with press. Uh, the only thing he wanted to do for this match was to punch Miz in the face. And what great irony is it that the Miz ended up winning that match with a punch to Daniel Bryan's face? And not only that, he's taken credit for it. He's taken credit as this being the solid bone of his very incredible uh, uh, cross that, that, that just comes naturally to him. I, I think it's a great heel thing. He said he
1: won in front of his daughter, who he refers to as God's gift to ratings, Monroe Sky. And then turns it into a plug for tonight's fifth episode of Ms. and Mrs. He even tried to get a chant started when he was interrupted by Daniel Bryan. Bryan just goes right down the ramp, repeatedly calling him a coward, he says the Miz is as fake as the makeup he wears. He's a wannabe Hollywood actor that is cosplaying as a wrestler. And Maurice tells Brian to just go retire. You should rename yourself Daniel Bella.
0: And the cre- there was even a light chant here for his name. I know people wanted to chant Daniel Bella. Not so bad. Is, is this like a?
1: Is this like an insult in two thousand and eighteen that you would? You would have to take
0: the name of a woman. Um, It's just, uh, I think, I, still unusual and uh, not um, tradition. I guess so. So would you change your name to your wife's sure. last name? Sure. I would follow in the footsteps of Jim Neidhart. Under what circumstances? Like uh, under her request or like what would get you to change?
1: I'm personally, I think the whole taking your name thing is kind of it's a weird thing. It just seems like it's one of those traditions that has people just do because they do. Um, Like myself and my wife, we just kept our own last names. I, I, I feel weird about it. Like, imagine like you must take your name now. It's almost like this, this public, I don't know. It's like, listen, I'm not going to critique uh, anyone else who chooses to do so. You're perfectly well to do so. I just found it to be kind of a strange tradition that I just don't really, uh, I don't know. Neither of us wanted to do that. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I thought this was a fine line. Bree then runs down and runs in and punches the Miz in the face. Mm -hmm. And Brian then clotheslines him to the floor. Corey Graves is disgusted because Maurice has just given birth. Brian says Bree has a sweet punch and he has spoken to Paige and they're going to have a mixed tag match at Hell in a Cell. Miz and Maurice uh, just go to the back. And that was the end of our closing segment. So, our first match has been announced for Hell in a Cell. I,
0: lo- I like the segment a lot. I thought Miz had some good lines. I thought Brian had a good line. Like him wanting to expose the Miz as this wann- wannabe Hollywood star that's cosplaying as a pro wrestler, I think is, is it, it, it almost like perfectly kind of encapsulates what uh, the critics think. Or, or, or if you are critical of the is what you think of that guy. So I, I think it worked. I thought Maurice did pretty well here too. And Brie, who I think has, you know, in the past two days that we've seen her, has kind of had varying levels of uh, effectiveness in her role uh, as trying to be portrayed as a babyface. Uh, I thought she did well here, too. Like, anytime she is with Nikki, I think she's so unlikable. But whenever she's playing this, you know, uh, 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 doting wife of Daniel Bryan, she she does really well. She comes out here and wasn't just being, you know, wife that that uh, cheers her man on. She came out and got physical. She punched the Miz. And I thought that's the type of babyface action she needs in order to uh, get this crowd on her side. And, and they did. So, you know, the match... I mean, I feel like this is a feud that's hot enough that you would you could potentially put these two in a hell in a cell. So when they announced this mixed tag, I think I was a little bit disappointed because certainly they're not going to be chasing after star ratings or match qual- uh, quote-unquote, you know, work rate quality with a mixed match mixed tag like this. But I think story-wise, it'll be a, a good match. I look forward to seeing how Maurice and Brie will play into their interaction. I think we can count on... uh a return of total Bella's bullshit. But this time with the Miz and Maurice playing Brian and Bree. Uh, I was just going to suggest that,
1: that they, I feel that's a very likely segment in the next few
0: weeks. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think the same magic that they might've found in the feud between these two, uh, Maryse and Miz with, with, uh, Nikki and, and Cena, we could possibly get again with, uh, Brian and Bree. Miz and Maurice met with Paige backstage and they're
1: upset because of they're big stars with their own reality series, and Miz says that Paige is a worse general manager than Daniel Bryan. Paige comes back making fun of the Miz for being punched in the face by Brie Bella. Mm-hmm. What was the Miz to do? What was his response supposed to be? If he's punched by Brie, what's he supposed to do? Um, It's not like he can fight back.
0: That would be cowardly. Okay. So you're saying Paige shouldn't have made fun of him for this.
1: I'm not, it's just, it was just like, I don't know. It's just kind of a strange thing that we we're doing this inter, this mixed tag yeah. where it's established that the men can only fight with the men and the women can only fight with the women. Mm-hmm. But then we do a spot here and it's, it's like, you're being mocked for being hit by a woman and they don't want to do any kind of intergender kind of matches here or anything like that. Um,
0: I don't know. I didn't know what I was to make of uh, this line. Like just uh they, she was making fun of him for being hit by Daniel Bryan's wife. For being hit by a woman. Yes. Brie Bella was- is not uh the size of the Miz. She's not an active competitor like the Miz. Uh so there are differences there.
1: Yes. Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, was our first match of the night. They mentioned that Jeff Hardy has been meditating and he visited a chiropractor twice to get his spine right is how Corey Graves uh, gave us an update on Jeff Hardy. Randy Orton walked down to the ring and the fan who looked to be in Davey Portman's seat from takeover had a sign that read, Randy Orton shook my hand with two crying emojis on it. Did you catch that? I uh, did not, no. Was it Davey Portman? It was not Davey Portman. He oh, was not okay. sticking around for SmackDown. The match begins. Hardy gets shoved off the top turnbuckle and then lands on the floor for the early break. Come back. Hardy lands a whisper in the wind after it had been an all Orton. And then Hardy goes and hits a twist of fate, removes the shirt so you know it's it's serious, holds his lower back as he climbs up to the top and then he's crotched on the top. Randy Orton... Takes his finger and he puts it into the hole where Jeff Hardy's earring would go. And he starts pulling down on the earlobe. Yeah. I uh- literally turned away. I thought this was one of the grossest things I've ever seen. And that is having watched some horrific deathmatch spots in my day. They showed crowd shots with one dude who was horrified, another woman who was like smiling. <laughs> Oh my god, the, dude, this was just so gross.
0: It was disgusting. Yeah, I, th- I don't think it had the... Obviously, it didn't have the shock factor of the first time that we saw it. Oh, it did for me. I, really? I,
1: I, it completely... It, this, to me, was ten times worse than the last one. <laughs> what? No. I cannot watch this stuff, dude. I cannot watch this man yanking in his
0: earlobe. Oh my god, it turned my stomach. I think this time, I'm watching it, and I'm starting to, like, study the technique... Uh, oh, that's involved in working the, uh, a spot like this. And it's, I, you know, you can kind of start to understand it. He's really kind of grasping, uh, uh, Jeff Hardy's head with his other hand to make sure that like, you know, he's not pulling it really. It's just, he's sticking the finger in there and he's tensing up his muscles to make it look like he's pulling. I mean, I really think it's a brilliant spot. It's kind of strange, the pacing of all this stuff, because we had Orton debut, he did this great attack the first time he pulled out on the earlobe, and then we just kind of had that feud cool off as Jeff Hardy got ready for a match with Shinsuke Nakamura. So it almost felt like in this match, they decided to try to remind us, hey, uh, I did this before, remember? Remember how gross you felt? Well, uh, let me remind you of what that felt like. And I guess it worked, John. Yeah,
1: I'm still very confused on this whole return of Randy Orton. Like, it just seems like the whole last month could have just been saved for now. I don't know what he added leading into SummerSlam mm-hmm. and at SummerSlam. It was just, if anything, it just detracted from the match you were building to yeah.
0: uh, with Nakamura and Hardy. I don't so. doubt that there might have been some some type of like uh, change of direction in the middle of all that. Because it just yeah, really kind of didn't make for a real uh, cohesive storyline by the end of it. So it looks like they're really just starting something that, picking something back up that they decide to cool off for a few weeks. Hardy drops Orton, and he does what
1: anyone who has their earlobe pulled at would respond with. He just stomped him in the balls and was disqualified. Yeah. SmackDown is on a good run of justifiable disqualifications coming off of Styles Joe with this. This yeah. was a, perfect, a perfectly uh, acceptable retaliation from Jeff Hardy to just stomp this man in the balls
0: yeah, it's annoying having somebody
1: stick their finger in your ear hole. Oh, dude, it was... I Even talking about it right now, it's still... It's just gross. Mm. Just horrific. They brawled on the floor. They brawled all over the place. It was Hardy attacking him with chairs, setting him up in the production area onto a table, and Jeff Hardy, Mr. I've got to limit the swanton to just television because my lower back is just now starting to feel better, leaped off of this... Uh, balcony or, or he was Crates. on top of a crate uh, yeah uh the crate and put him through a table with a swanton also attacked him with a handheld camera yeah maybe bill billy kidman left that uh laying around from 1998 uh what
0: billy kidman he used to always have oh, a oh yes remember yes. The, the the kid cam yes that's right yeah yeah uh yeah he, he also, in like one of those interviews, mentioned how he's been doing the swanton a lot more. Uh, like, in the past, he would make sure to take most of the impact on his own lower back. But now he's not shy at all about letting his opponent take most of the swanton in order to protect his own lower back. And yeah, that's Ran- where- Ran- Randy Savage used to do that near the end, too. And he
1: started oh, yeah. really hurting a lot of people.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like Orton was probably one of the... Uh, <laughs> the latter recipient of, of the, this version of the, sw- the swan talk because he took this whole thing like, and you know, I, I I mean, knowing the weekend that Jeff had prior to this, I don't blame him uh, for not wanting to go full full out with this one. It's just they're they're doing a whole lot, and they're it seems like they're trying to level this this uh, uh uh feud up really quick. So much so that it's starting to make me wonder that they might be trying to ramp this thing up so that it's hot enough for a hell in a cell. Oh, you think so, for yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe
1: there's gonna be I would imagine a few um matches um so that ended this, and then we had a Ms and Mrs promo. They are moving, and they're gonna be on a tour bus for twenty two hours. I feel they're taking now from just prior ideas because didn't they do this exact episode with Brian and Bree when they had to Natalia got them some moving bus or something <laughs> like that yes. with those annoying people? Yeah, like it's a, it's the exact same episode.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm sure it's it's almost a cliche that you've you've seen uh in a number of reality shows. Uh I mean this is a couples reality show. It's a story about two people uh trying to raise a child and often they do family things such as move. Like John, you would have been a perfect candidate for uh, e reality show this past year. Um yeah, maybe. Did you move in an RV? No, no,
1: we, uh, our, our move and required like a 10 minute car ride. So I don't know if it it wouldn't even fill out a 22 minute episode. Yeah. Then we had Renee backstage with Seamus and Cesaro. They say they don't have a prediction for tonight's tag title match, nor are they auditioning for a role on the kickoff panel. They just want to challenge the winner. Anderson and Gallows walk in. They do want to audition for the kickoff panel, so they put on these blazers and glasses to give their analysis. With Gallows adopting a British accent, Carl showed off his abs, and they all want to be number one contenders. And this set up a tag match for next week's show in Toronto. Um,
0: the bar, like Cesaro had some line about how even Ed Sheeran doesn't like the Good Brothers. They pre- he prefers the bar. Uh, I guess it. A- yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that... I don't know. I, I I Let me know, everybody, if you if you know what that reference was to. Anyway, uh, I, I, I like this stuff. I mean, I liked Gallows and Anderson. Uh, they've been off of TV for a long, long time, and I guess in that time, they decided to think of ways that they can return with. And it seemed to be this, which I think is a good start, you know? Showed a bit of personality from these two. A bit of, I think, what what attracts people to them backstage, I bet. So... Yeah, decent. What did you think?
1: Uh, It was okay. It was, you know, just a setup for a match. So it gives some some time on television. These are two tag teams that have been pretty much cast to the side. Uh, Still still looking for the Usos wherever they are. Mm. They are on this brand, uh, by the way. Mm -hmm. Naomi versus Peyton Royce. The Iconics came out. They cut a promo asking, uh, Billy asked, What is overrated, loud, obnoxious, and has annoying flashing lights everywhere? And Royce guesses, Brooklyn. Kay says, no, that's what a dumpster fire is. And they say that Naomi, just like Brooklyn, is not iconic. Match begins. Naomi gets knocked to the floor. Billy Kay is mocking her. Royce then missed a spin kick into the corner, and Naomi starts landing leg kicks, hit an off the middle rope. Naomi then Landed a head kick from the apron, took out Billy Kay on the floor, but then in the process uh, got nailed by Royce into the post and was finished with a Fisherman Buster suplex. Peyton Royce winning in three minutes, 34 seconds.
0: Short match. Uh, I imagine they'll you know build to some type of feud rematch between Naomi and the Iconics. You know, the Iconics are, are, are kind of a team that have really been losing to everybody so i think they need something here and really naomi needs a storyline too because she's been kind of out of the mix for a long long time as well uh it's nice to see her but i mean i feel like she has yet to kind of really evolve beyond someone who just does somewhat flashy moves like i i don't really get the sense that i've seen her in like a solid wrestling match Uh, and I feel like that's maybe just a a big element that might be missing from, from her game that I've, you know, like, uh, if we're talking about repertoires and, and changing up games, I'd like to see Naomi try to step up her repertoire and change up her game in order to, you know, become a better performer because she does some really kind of interesting athletic moves. But beyond that, the, the wrestling, I, I don't really feel like is there. So I I think she's also somebody much like in the role of a Becky Lynch who needs the crowd in order to get the, the, the office to notice her in order to get her pushed again because they've already done the run with her. I don't necessarily see her being next in line for the title for a while unless the crowd starts to organically uh, bring her up there. Well, Naomi is
1: a, a natural baby face with a huge likability factor. So I imagine they will look at turning her at some point. Sure. They already tried actually. New Day's in the locker room. Biggie has his ribs taped up. And Xavier and Kofi come up and they ask him, how are the ribs? And he says, well, I usually like them with collard greens as he reveals he is eating actual ribs. But then when asked about the ribs that are taped up, he's like, oh, no, they're very bad. <laughs> what was funny here was... They basically read, if you watch the kickoff show on Sunday, they pretty much redid their kickoff show promo, which was talking about their long title reign beginning right here in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And this is also where Francesca was born. Yeah. Like It was verbatim what they did on Sunday. Well, I mean, no few people watched the kickoff, I guess. Yeah, that's probably their thinking was like, no one saw this. Let's yeah. just broadcast this to the masses. Then they recap Becky Lynch's attack on Charlotte Flair which prompted Becky to come out to explain her actions. She walks out to her music, no mannerisms, no playing to the crowd, just looking dead serious. She said she deserves to be standing here as the women's champion. And since that moment was stolen, Charlotte deserved to be attacked. Sh- Summerslam was not supposed to be about Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, or Charlotte. She fought for months to get a singles match with Carmella And she even got over the fact that Charlotte was in the match. Whole crowd is chanting Becky. They're Mm -hmm. all behind her here, as Mm -hmm. she is furious. She resented being referred to as Charlotte's friend. She wanted to raise that title to prove she's her own woman. And the people act like they were with her, but were you the whole time? Yeah. There was no. Yeah. Go ahead. Well,
0: I was gonna say like this: the, the the first, I would say maybe like minute, two minutes of of this promo. I was start. I was looking for for hints as to whether or not the company had actually solidly turned her heel, or if they were going for one of those kind of just really angry babyface promos, which could have could have been. But then, at that point uh, that you just mentioned, when she started to question the integrity of of her own fans, that's when it felt to me like this solidified the heel turn. Oh, I, I mean the way she
1: walked out, I was like. It just seemed like this was, you know, to me, when I when I heard the way the commentary was produced for that on Sunday, Mm -hmm. that to me was the tip off like this. This is supposed to be a turn. It's not being taken like one, but that is certainly how it's being produced in their headset. Mm -hmm. She complained that there was never a give Becky a chance hashtag. Where was all the outrage when Charlotte was added to the match? Yeah, there were some tweets, but you still sold out SummerSlam and there was no boycott. You all applauded when Charlotte won the title and she is never the first woman named when they talk about the greatest of all time. She's just an afterthought and accuses the fans of being a generation of all talk, all opinions, but no action. She was tired of talking and she took action. And when she heard the three count it was as though someone was counting her out of a trance because she was never so sure about something. Her best friend has been holding her back. Charlotte stole the spotlight, and she decided right then and there, I'm going to rip your head off. And it's her time because she deserves it, not the fans. Go fook yourselves. <laughs> and she left. This Listen, uh, tremendous promo. Mm-hmm. I just adamantly oppose this direction for this program because I would argue that Charlotte Flair is not close to the baby face Becky is. Oh my God. It's just, I just hate the role reversal here and that you can so misread a connection that Becky clearly has that you're just going to, you go into these scenarios, just kicking and screaming to try and turn somebody. And I don't doubt she's probably going to be a great heel. But I don't believe Charlotte ba- is a great baby face. And mm. you're just not using these two women to their strengths in this program.
0: They've begun yet another feud with this audience. Uh, taking a, a fan favorite that I think everybody wants to see portrayed as a very likable baby face. And turning her into uh, somebody who hates the audience. I mean... Maybe somebody with within the company will tell you that there's a real method to that madness because it worked at one time with Daniel Bryan. Or maybe they'll even look at Sami Zayn and say that somehow that was a success. I just, uh, I don't know. I just still really question it. You know, they, they, I feel like they worked really hard here to come up with a list of Becky's uh, uh, grievances with this audience. Uh, they really had to stretch. Yeah. I mean... You it's... still sold out the uh, summer, the Barclays Center. Um, you never named me for being number one. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Could the argument not have been that it's like, yeah, we all bought tickets to see you win your big moment that you just told us well, SummerSlam was all about. Of course. I mean, but this is, you know, Becky employing heel logic. Uh, but like you said, John, you know... She as, was great. Like, she yeah. was... She
1: with her delivery here. I
0: don't want to knock her performance here. I just I'm very much opposed.
1: I think Becky is like a super, super talent that I don't feel enough people recognize what a great baby face she is that it just seems they are so hard in bringing these baby faces up. Like I have watched them just decimate some of these baby faces and Becky has she's been on the main roster three years
0: and she still has that specialness to her. For me, like, I, I, I will say, you know, oftentimes when, when it comes to these uh, heel turns that they give to these babyfaces, it always does manage to unlock, I think, an attitude and fire within them that we hadn't seen from, from performers like her or I would say even a Sami Zayn, uh, maybe a, in a different way with Zayn. But with Becky, I mean, I, I can't really count on one hand all the great, like, good promos I I necessarily feel like I, I've seen from her on the main roster thus far. I would say this was one of them. This was definitely one of her best. Like she felt like she had, uh, she felt like she was way more aggressive and I wanted to see her compete more after watching this than her typical, you know, Becky Balboa, straight fire type of promo. No, her, her best stuff was talking smack. She was one of many
1: that I thought that was where you really got her across to people. And you're right, like the backstage segments. I mean, it's it's, to me, they're not effective ways to get, Personalities over we have a whole like a quarter to a half of the roster that it's you could file under that that you don't know anything about these people that they're limited to one minute backstage promos where they're doing you know british voices with glasses on and that's our character development for the week charlotte runs down she grabs the title and yells all for this and she dumps the title down charges the ring they fight all over the crowd starts chanting Becky. Paige sends the whole locker room down, minus Carmella. Uh, Charlotte even pie-faces Naomi and Lana away. The baby-faces stop Charlotte. The heels stop Becky,
0: and they're kept apart. It's kind of the, one of the, the worst side effects of this whole thing. It, it, it's that it, it's kind of making Char- Charlotte just that much more uh, unlikable. And she's not doing anything wrong. What Charlotte is not doing anything by, by she's not at fault really for anything but it's because she she really is now kind of getting that that portrayal of of uh being the top star of the company that the fans just seem to be tired of that you know like much like a Roman Reigns she j- will end up as as the heel to of a, a, I would say a, a good portion of the audience coming out of this I also
1: wonder with doing such a major turn with a character like Becky how much that continues to just keep Asuka in no man's la- or no woman's land, because you could at least argue that maybe a turn would freshen up Asuka, but I don't see them pulling the trigger on a, a another major turn anytime soon. I, kinda, I just think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like they've given up on, on pushing Asuka as any type of a, uh, you know, serious contender. Just no- she, she was just one of the faceless women in this pull apart. Well, just seeing like, like they had a chance with her, with the Carmela feud, in trying to give her some actual story or letting her cut cut maybe you know promos that might uh, work for her, and they didn't manage to find it. So I feel like she's just going to they they I feel like in, on, in the main roster they know how to write certain for certain people, and Asuka unfortunately doesn't seem like it's what, she's one of them. Maybe she's gonna come
1: out with a uh, airbrush tights that say "Send me down," Vince. Uh, yeah,
0: I'm sure she. Uh, yeah, sure, that'd be great.
1: For some reason, we had a rematch between Andrade, Cien Almas, and Zelina Vega against Rusev and Lana. It was brought up that Almas and Vega are 4-0 against Rusev and Lana, so they they really want to make this feud very definitive and one-sided. Uh, Andrade and Zelina cut a promo prior, and they plugged the Evolution pay-per-view with Byron Saxton mentioning that Trish Stratus will, quote, be in action for the first time in seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I just I fell asleep uh, during the, the 30th entrant of this year's Royal Rumble, so uh, this was a completely accurate statement. Rusev and Lana sent them to the floor. They did their pose. Uh, Lana slaps Almas in the corner and then kicks Vega off and works towards the hot tag for Rusev. Rusev comes in. Almas sidesteps a machka kick, lands the spinning elbow, double knees. Rusev kicks out of that. Then Vega gets into Rusev's face, Lana takes her down, and Almas goes to bring a chair into the ring when Aiden English appears, pulls the chair away, and Rusev hits a machka kick and applies the accolade, tapping out Almas at 727, and English says, I've always got your back, and he finally didn't screw up. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought this was better than the kickoff match.
0: Well, it felt to me like this was almost a continuation of it in that like the first match on Sunday felt like the women were kind of taking the bulk of it. And here the men took, you know, the, the, the second half of, of this whole thing. Uh, I, I think I'm with you. Yeah, uh, it seems like the story is finally starting to uh, maybe uh, reach uh, a, a bit of a change in, in that uh, English. Looks like he's not going to be splitting a, apart from the group after all. Uh, they're working out their differences and he's actually proving to be effective this time. Shinsuke
1: Nakamura did a selfie promo. He called Jeff Hardy a clown. He is a hero to America, and he welcomes us to the United States of Nakamerica.
0: I know some people are are, are going to be uncomfortable, like, talking about this, but I'm not. Like, it was really tough to understand this, you know? It it was very difficult. I tried watching it uh, with, like, a few times, and then I tried watching it with captions, and I'm watching this closed captioner struggle try to like follow along. He did it he or she did a great job. It really helped. But then like at some point, like there was like a word in there in the middle that I think even like that sounded nothing like what the captioner was typing. So even like that person had to just improvise for some of this. I just I I maintain that I think Nakamura is best when he's kept with like those like shorter kind of like cutting lines where he doesn't have to do a whole like a bunch of poetry, which is what kind of this felt like I didn't think this was effective. I do like the line, uh, or or him co- calling it the United States of of knock America. I think you could have just had something built to that line, and had this be way more effective than whatever he was trying to do here. At the very least, this can get him some new merchandise. Yeah, doing the U.S. Oh, stuff. man, that crown that he wore at Wrestle Kingdom, the like the like a like a Statue of Liberty. Yeah, crown, man, yeah. that'd be great.
1: There's a lot they could do with him. I mean, the U.S. title it does open you up to ideas of where you can go with with a character. The the question is, uh, what who Nakamura is working with because he seems to be distanced now from the Orton Hardy stuff. Mm-hmm. And you just have to who who are baby faces that that he could feud
0: with that come to mind. I mean, I I really thought Ty Dillinger was going to get something, but uh, oh boy, I wonder, I wonder <laughs> that's. Shinsuke Nakamura and Ty Dillinger. I don't know about that one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, like, Rusev? Um, it looks like he's still wrapping that up with Lana in, in English. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know who. There's, there isn't the obvious
1: choice of uh, of who he ends up with. Styles was just staring deeply into a mirror. It was a little uncomfortable. Phillips then recapped... The feud between Styles and Joe and the, quote, disgusting claims made against the family of AJ Styles. Disgusting claims. Renee was on the podium and brought out AJ uh, AJ Styles, who said, SummerSlam did not end the way he wanted, but he doesn't regret what he did to Joe. He lost the match because of his actions. Joe crossed the line, which was our company's slogan a decade ago. But it's not cool anymore. And that's a line that a real man doesn't cross. He broke a promise, but he's going to make one to the his family and the WWE universe that the next time he sees Samoa Joe and he mentions his family, he's going to rip out Samoa Joe's heart. Yeah. That's a hell of a promise to make somebody. Fatality. I'd be like, yeah. dude, don't, I'm not going to hold you to that one. Like, man, we got Becky ripping off Charlotte's head. We've got Joe's heart being torn out. These are some violent, violent people. Yeah, that's a tough one uh, to uh,
0: to live up to, AJ.
1: Joe shows up from behind and attacks AJ, applies to Coquina Clutch. There were these kids in the front row that, I'm sorry, they took all the seriousness out of this because they are so excited to see Samoa Joe. I know. They're like, oh, we love you, Samoa, Samoa. And they were so excited to see this man who's trying to murder the <laughs> WWE champion. And I mean, Joe just kept going and he looks right into the camera to speak to Wendy and he says, AJ's making all these promises to come home and tuck in the children for bed, but it's too late because daddy's already gone night, night. Oh, wonderful, the man. Yeah, uh, it's just I can't get enough of these Joe promos. I, I think it's just every one of them. It's just like to the point. I think I've been worn down by just the long scripted promos mm-hmm. that Joe it's just a couple of lines, but they're all like punches to the gut now. Completely. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's just the intensity is there. I could watch this feud for months.
0: Yeah. I mean, he continues to make it so personal. And I think it's it's turning this into one of AJ's most heated feuds in the WWE. So I, um, those kids, I I mean, I would love to watch a show with them. I'd love to listen to alternate commentary uh with smackdown with those kids uh they were just adorable this too is a match that i could see them putting in a cell this is the one
1: i feel is the likely one mm. and if for nothing else for joe to cut a promo describing this cell that AJ's going to be locked into that's torturous that he just wants to get out of and compare it to his home life
0: wow deep can you imagine yeah. There's some great
1: promo opportunities here for uh, the Hell in a Cell with Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can see this being in the cell. Um, but you're right, like the Orton Hardy one, they're, they're pushing that as a very violent feud as well. I think that those both of those matches, to me, almost feel more suitable for the Hell in a Cell than any of the Raw matches, including whatever they're doing with the Shield and Braun.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Paige confirms uh, Becky and Charlotte have been escorted out of the building and Styles is being tended to with the uh, medical team. Carmella walks in and Paige notes that she's lost 10 pounds with the loss of her title. And Carmella says, don't title shame me. Hmm. Is that something you can do? Can you title shame someone?
0: I think you could shame somebody for almost
1: anything. She wants a rematch one on one with Charlotte. And then R-Truth walks in and says Carmella has been dodging him for weeks. He wants a title match, and he knows he has to pin Carmella to get a title shot. And Paige explains that pinning Carmella does not guarantee you a title match just because Becky and Charlotte did that. So Truth tells Carmella, you got lucky this time. The rematch is made with Carmella and Charlotte for Toronto next week, and then Carmella walks off camera. She moonwalks off camera, and you just hear her telling someone to put her down, and page-ending by yelling off-camera to R-Truth to place her down. I found this really entertaining. I laughed out loud. These R-Truth segments uh, have been kind of fun. I've enjoyed this guy in just these random Carmella segments. I thought this was very funny.
0: Yeah, me too. I think Truth has been funny in all all of his appearances on SmackDown thus far. He kind of fits as that, you know, uh, veteran who now serves as comic relief. Uh, He fits well in this roster in that role. And then we go to the main event,
1: a no DQ match for the SmackDown tag titles, the bludgeon brothers versus Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods with the explanation that Biggie's ribs are injured. So he's out of the match. Eric Rowan legit. His right arm is a mess, but he is wrestling tonight. His right arm was wrapped up and I thought way we were going to get our recreation of the dynamite kid uh, being laid out outside the ring and Harper would have to wrestle most of this. The guy mm. was taken off the house show Monday night, uh, so Harper did a handicap match. But no, Rowan did a full match here and way more than I thought he was going to be doing in this match. And we don't know, like it's it's said to be a torn biceps, which um, sounds pretty significant. Like I imagine it's a, it's a full tear, but he did a lot more than you would assume he would have.
0: Yeah, I imagine it's one of those injuries that, you know, you could still function on but you should probably uh probably not for long. And and maybe his attitude was like it's 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 broken anyway or it's it's torn anyway, so what's the worst I could do to it.
1: They go to the floor early. Harper is sent flying over the announcer's desk from a shotgun drop kick from Woods, and then Rowan has Kingston on his back and he goes to throw him off and like nearly spiked him right on top of his head. Harper then throws one of the announcer's chairs at Kofi Kingston. It was the return of the chair yeah, as as a weapon. It's been a while.
0: The office chair. The
1: the damn office chair. New Day brought out a ladder. Rowan then grabbed them and allowed Harper to land a suicide dive. Uh, Woods was sent into the steps. They also did this avalanche big boot combination to Kofi. It's the Bludgeon Brothers just running through these two, dominating the New Day. Then they placed a ladder on top of two chairs in the ring. Kingston dives at them, gets caught, and he takes a crucifix bomb onto the ladder, but he kicks out. Rowan is delivering all these headbutts. Harper then grabs a mallet, and Harper, to get Rowan all uh, amped up, just slaps him over and over at full blast here. Hard. Oh, my God. I would have taken this mallet and just out of instinct nailed Harper. So then Rowan sprints at Kingston with the mallet, Woods pulls Kofi to safety at the last second and Rowan crashes with his right arm (laughs) breaking down this barricade. That was the end of Rowan and presumably will be the end of Rowan for the foreseeable future. Kingston stops a Harper powerbomb, hits him with a mallet shot, trouble in paradise, places Harper onto the table, Woods comes off the top with an elbow drop putting him through the table, Kofi and Woods get on top of Harper and pin him at 1520, the New Day, win the tag titles for the fifth time, Biggie comes down to celebrate. They go into the crowd. New champions, and it looks like Eric Rowan is off to uh, deal with this injury.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder how much they have to change course following the news of that injury taking place. Because it felt like they were building to at least another pay per view match. I wouldn't have expected them to do the title change uh, on on the the next edition of SmackDown. So I'm kind of curious, but nonetheless, I thought the match was great, man. I thought it was another very hard hitting match. To me, this one felt a bit more uh, uh, fluid and uh, maybe, maybe less, a little less uh, chaotic in a bad way, but chaotic in a good way. Um, they, I feel like by the end of this, they took what going into SummerSlam felt like a real nothing, heatless pairing, and they turned it into like a pretty like high stakes very uh physically demanding rivalry between these these two teams so the bludgeon brothers i thought looked fantastic in this uh match even uh with a beaten up uh eric rowan physically they're just so so great uh at, at kind of just playing those monsters and the new day are fantastic as well i feel like lately they've they've just like they have they've always been good in ring but it feels like lately they've just like uh taken a uh maybe a bit more focus given that a bit more focus and I thought this was a very good match.
1: Yeah, I I think you could have made the argument of... I I just think the Bludgeon Brothers have run through so many teams that the injury obviously forced their hand, but I think it freshens up this tag division. Uh, You've got now the bar reintroduced. You've got uh, Anderson and Gallows uh, back now. That can be a program. I think this can open the door for uh, Uso's return. I think you could do that match again down the road when it's the right time to do it. So I, I... I think even with the injury aside, it kind of freshens up the division a bit. Um, So hopefully Rowan, it's, it's not too significant because you know, these two were in the midst of a really big push here as champions, never a good time to get hurt, but this was uh, an unfortunate
0: injury. They were putting a lot behind them, you know, with all, all those squash matches. And I think big wins over all these teams, but I never necessarily felt like they fully connected as, you know, this, this really like, at least not on somebody like a Braun Strowman's level. You know what I mean? Which I feel like um, they've received a similar type of push. Um, so hopefully they'll come back and I think they'll, they'll be dominant as, as ever. You know, we talked about it Sunday night before we knew of the injury, the idea of
1: introducing Bray to mm. uh, even out the numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm almost surprised that given he's got nothing happening at the moment, that if they had wanted to keep this story going – that's an easy insert for Eric Rowan that they could have done and still could if you want it. Like Luke Harper, I-, I think he'd actually have a really fun run as a as a singles uh, monster. Oh, he did like for a time there. last Yeah, year. he, he was for a time. I-, yeah. I I would actually be interested in them trying that with him while Rowan's out. But that's another option for Bray who just doesn't have anything going that
0: he could end up teaming with Harper. Though I do like th- the singles idea for Harper too. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that's who you put up against. Well, he would be have to be a heel. I was thinking Nakamura, but I think I think Harper would have to be a heel. Oh God, are we are we ready for a Nakamura Bray Wyatt
1: promo heavy program? Hmm. hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Scale of one to ten, way is this one gonna get a pass or a fail? I think this is a pass. Yeah, I think so too. I I think I'm gonna go seven and a half on this show. I'll I'll go seven too. Okay. The message board says 7.62. Oh, wow. A big win for SmackDown this week over Raw. We start off, as usual, with Brandon from Oshawa. Solid show tonight. All the top feuds moved ahead in good directions. I just wish this company knew how to get behind and solidly push their baby faces. There's no way Becky Becky Lynch should be a heel. Same with Sami Zayn. I'm surprised they haven't turned Bailey yet. Well, I think they absolutely were planning to turn her and do this exact same thing uh, two months ago when they shot the angle and no one took to it. This time, they didn't care if no one took to it. They were still going with their idea. We all heard the reactions from Charlotte winning and then the Becky attack, yet they try and make us look stupid. Nonetheless, it was a good angle. Becky cut a good promo, and I'm looking forward to where they take the feud. With how violent the Hardy-Orton rivalry has been so far, do you see any chance of this taking place inside the cell? I think I remember Jeff saying in an interview that his dream is to have a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, that's the match Jeff always brings up, that he has never had that he wants to have, um, is a Hell in a Cell. So this might be his last chance to have one, you would think.
0: Yeah, I would think so. Um, He, uh, you know, I mean, who knows how how long his career might... Might last if, if he, he turns.
1: He turns 41 next week. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he's also got some uh, lost in New York thoughts, so we'll go back to that on the double shot. We go to Chris from Melbourne, Australia. An overall good SmackDown. Ms. mocking Brian's retirement speech was great for his weasel heel character. I also didn't expect the New Day to win the championship. I decided to watch 205 Live for the first time in mon- months, and Wale was on commentary. But as mm. Nigel but as Nigel said, we're about to kick things off with the first cruiserweight champion. Wale said, and who might that be? All while TJP's music was playing. I, I then, saw this.
1: It's exactly as he described it. It was very awkward. They didn't even have an answer for Wale. They just were like, let's just keep going.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> he says, I then turned the show off. Safe to say I won't be watching again.
1: That was interesting that Wale. I mean, you know, he's, he's from there. But the fact they put him on commentary, I wonder how the WWE is looking at this WrestleMania week and look like Wale's got his own event and you're looking at the WWE. I'm sure they are looking at all competitors now that week. And hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know if you should read into to anything here, but I found that interesting that here is Wale being placed on commentary and how the WWE is approaching all these other outside events, WrestleMania week.
0: I mean, but they got, you know, Jim Ross is doing a show. Heyman does a show. Almost everybody has a show. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, it's also now like the idea was like MLW is now doing wrestling. Like right. they are now booking wrestlers and who knows they what they're TV. what they're planning for Wally Mania next year. Yeah, and they're on TV now as well. So yeah, it's a very interesting time, obviously, in the industry. Let us go to Mike from New York. Decent SmackDown show overall. I love Becky's promo, and her reasons are all valid for the heel turn. People are still going to cheer her, though, I believe. I wonder what shape Maurice is in for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view match. She just had a baby four months ago. It's unfortunate that Rowan got hurt and will be sidelined, as I have enjoyed the Bludgeon Brothers since they re-debuted. Given that Rowan is out, what will they do with Luke Harper? There have been a lot of comments online that it's possible Harper is being moved to Raw to team up with Bray and Braun as a counter to The Shield. What is your opinion? Well, that's interesting. That's I mean, that's the most logical um partners for Braun to
0: incorporate. Mm-hmm. So yep, you that's I, I, I mean, can see that. Yeah, definitely. Bray is a baby face, so that works. Uh Harper, I think you you know, you can easily turn him if you're if you're putting him in the mix with the other two. I actually quite like that idea, the, the Wyatt's versus the Shield. Do you
1: remember when they first did the, the Shield and Wyatt family mm-hmm. face off in uh, and they did a match, I think it was um right before WrestleMania 30, I want to say and it was it was a great match and when they did the stare down the first time in the ring that place went insane so if you do Braun, and next week he finds himself in the ring with those three the lights go out and then bray and uh, harper are there that play and in toronto as well that'll be a massive massive reaction i think that actually is a great idea i think um. so too that that's a very good idea if you're gonna do and that can be a hell in a cell i think that that kind of match
0: mm. all right we go to uh rich from winnipeg so the marathon ends with an all-around good episode of smackdown while the mixed tag i feared would be booked i feared would be booked on tv the ms Bryan segment went over better than i thought with Bree getting a decent pop now we have a lot of time to promo this. Hardy Orton was what I thought it was, a DQ to maybe set up a possible ultimate deletion match, but Hardy's back. Ow. Becky pulled off a good heel promo, but this audience was still on her side. It will be interesting to see how the regular crowd reacts going forward. Joe, again, is right now the MVP of the company on the main roster. Just a little simple speech after the clutch on AJ works wonders. All right, let's go down here to Connor from Minneapolis. Very up and down
1: show for me. Orton and Hardy was pretty entertaining. The ear thing will always get me, and it seemed to do its job of getting the crowd into the ending. I'm not terribly excited for the match itself, but the brief punch looked good and got a solid pop. Still not sure how I feel about the Becky turn. She still comes across as very sympathetic, and the audience was doing everything they could to refute every negative claim that she made. I'm going to give it some time since I can see an interesting long-term story here with Becky eventually turning face again, but I'm not sure if WWE and the fans will be patient enough given how vocal they have been so far. Hopefully they use charlotte's .com promo from Sunday night in the eventual video package. It's a pet peeve of mine when WWE gets great promos from their wrestlers and buries them with 20 other videos on YouTube. Love the AJ Joe stuff. Joe comes across as a real scumbag. This seems like an obvious choice for a really good Hell in a Cell match next month.
0: Okay, we go to B from Detroit. He says, "Hey guys, pretty solid show. I just wanted to tell you about the SmackDown ad they've been promoting for September 4th at Little Caesars Arena. The show has Champion Carmella versus Asuka, and also a six-man tag with the team of Joe Nakamura and the Miz versus AJ Jeff Hardy and Daniel Bryan." Well, card subject to change. I don't imagine Carmella. Yeah, they, they put those. They put the advertising out well in advance.
1: That I mean, you should never take that stuff as as gospel. Um. Noah from Vaughn writes, I'll be at the Raw and SmackDown TV next week in Toronto, and it looks like it will be a challenge to get the Toronto crowd to boo Becky, fully expecting the crowd to even cheer for Carmella in the title rematch against Charlotte. The WWE would be foolish to not capitalize on this and change their plans by having Charlotte play the heel in this story. In regards to the show tonight, I really enjoyed it, and it seems like SmackDown has done a great job of building very personal rivalries of late. Curious to know if you guys will be in attendance at the tapings next week. Are you going? No, I wasn't planning to. Neither was I. Um I don't know if I uh yeah, I don't know if that will change.
0: Yeah, um it's not necessarily uh, I think a show that uh people will, will will uh demand um a big live live uh what is it? report from uh that's my feeling at least. And I I always tend to prefer just trying to do these shows quickly. Uh and sometimes you miss a lot watching live. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to go to
1: the uh, actually I'm hoping to go to the Smash Wrestling Show on Sunday. It's a very loaded card that they have,
0: so Mm -hmm. I might be going to that at the Phoenix. Okay. We got a Taylor finally who says, Great show tonight. Nothing felt forced or overbooked and we got some solid and logical post-SummerSlam booking. New Day getting the straps, AJ going to sleep, heel Becky and, and another great Miz and Brian segment. I shat on Raw last night and it was probably a bit unfair, but this show was a real delight. Is it me or is SmackDown feeling a lot more like NXT these days? AJ vs. Joe in particular felt like a takeover main event and I really enjoy that simple booking. With All In coming up in two weeks, what do you think are the chances of a Kenny Omega appearance at the Rumble? By that time, AJ and Joe will presumably be done and he could slot straight into a program with AJ for Mania. I know it's a long way off, but how do you think the response of All In will contribute to WWE aggressively chasing Omega?
1: Listen, I'm expecting all of them to be sought after by the WWE, but it's it's pure guesswork at this point because I don't think that Kenny Omega knows where he's going to be at the end of January. I think so much can still change uh but will the demand be there for them? I think absolutely. I think you'd be crazy to think uh, the WWE is not aggressively planning to pursue uh the available free agents. So uh, of course there's that possibility, but it's just as likely that he ends up remaining where he is. I just think there's so many factors at play that people are just, you know, throwing darts in in the dark to try and think of where everyone is going to end up. Mhm. All right. That is going to wrap the show up. So thank you everyone for your feedback. Some really good questions and uh, insight tonight. Way, We are going to be back uh, with the double shot uh, very, very soon. So go up to the Post Wrestling Cafe. If you are a member, you can go check that out. Reviews of Joey Janela's Lost in New York, Being the Elite, and SCU Preparing for All In. So all of that is coming your way. And then we've got the British Wrestling Experience, which will be out Wednesday with Benno and Martin chatting the recent Summer Sizzler, Summer Sizzler card from RevPro. Uh, they, they're also going to be chatting about uh, Doc Dean, who recently passed away, and uh, many other topics. Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden and the returning Davey Portman to chat about his, his big trip to Brooklyn, where he attended TakeOver, SummerSlam, and Raw, live at the Barclays Center. Did not stick around for SmackDown. And then Friday,
0: way I know you are looking forward to this. It's the return of the MCU Reviews. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, that's right. And we are starting from the very beginning And what I think many people still consider to be the best of the entire run so far. Iron Man 1 starring Robert Downey Jr. Uh, the one that kind of kicked it all off. So that is coming up Friday if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe.
1: And Saturday, we're going to have Eggshells out with Chris Charlton. He is going to be joined by Kim Justice to chat about 1998 at the Tokyo Dome and all that was going on then. And Sunday night, uh, I am expecting to have an interview up on the site. Uh so pay attention to the website this week and I will be announcing that after I record it. So look for look forward to that. Postwrestling.com and uh we should mention Starcast once again. We are going to be there Saturday, September the first, ten AM at the podcast movement
0: pop up studio. Is that what it's called? I mean, I, I don't expect there to be that much confusion. Um, it's something that's called that. So like similar yeah, to that. So if,
1: if you're not sure, just yell out our names and we'll hear you and we'll just direct you to where we are. Uh, and you can come sit in for a live ask away. You can ask questions. Uh, all stickers will be on hand to be distributed to those that show up. Uh, so it should be
0: a lot of fun at StarCast. 90 I'm, minutes with me and Way. Yep. A very limited assortment of uh, T-shirts will be available for sale as well. Uh, but of course hugs from John Pollock are uh, in in abundance. Uh, I don't know what the exchange rate
1: is like for that though. We'll, uh, we'll discuss. (laughs) So that is coming up Starcast weekend. And then, uh, that weekend, of course, we'll have a big review of all in with myself, way Davey and Brayden, who will be with us uh, all weekend long. It should be quite the weekend in, uh, the post wrestling world. So Mm -hmm. check that out and we'll be back later this week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.